Sing Glory! Christina and Cacao Part 2. What does cacao look like as an industry? Cheap profit, deforestation, exploitation of indigenous communities and culture. You're not wrong there. But in sitting down with Christina, I'd like to think our conversation spoke more so to the solution-driven energetics that are being implemented globally, though we may not always see or know of it. It might not make the headlines, your local newspaper, or that of your daily Instagram feed, but this bean speaks to a lot more than just its drool-inducing tendencies. Human rights, culture, communities, a lack of government-wide enforcement, company infrastructures downstream to our own retail front lines, right into that mug of steamy cocoa. Cacao is known as a heart opener. It did Christina's. It has done so for many, and will continue to do so for those to come. Because it's not going anywhere. I say so because of people like Christina. Because we talked. Because I got to listen in to someone whose trajectory stands testament to what we're capable of in learning, cultivating, protecting, and sharing when it's something we hold dear. Enjoy this second half to our conversation. We also talk cacao face masks and who doesn't want to eat chocolate as well as having baby soft skin. This is Christina and Cacao with Christina Kim. A quick heads up, we're dealing with an overseas conversation here, so the audio may reflect this. Coming to you from Washington, D.C. and Amsterdam, the Netherlands. And it's so funny because my first memory of a block of chocolate was at a tennis club. It was a tournament and like we would be there and they just brought out a brick of chocolate with a big knife and bananas. And I was like, oh my God. And I was like 13. I was like, oh my God. I was like, what is this? (laughs) And I just was like, you can have chocolate before tennis and it's healthy. And I just, that memory stuck ever since. And now, and I grew up in New York City, like, I mean, in New Jersey, I was born in New York City, but I grew up with the US Open and just like, like I would go there every summer and my dream and fantasy is to just bring chocolates to the US Open and be like, these are healthy chocolates, people. Yes. <laughs> and like, and like have the tennis players eat them before a match or like as a, you know, like, I mean, I, I would love that for that to happen, so, so we'll see. What would your advice be when it comes to buying cacao, like for the consumer, just the average consumer who has no foundational knowledge whatsoever um, with regards to the industry? When they enter like a grocery store, what are they looking for? So, in a grocery store, and this is coming from someone who, you know, totally started not knowing everything, anything, um, I would start at, like, a national food store that has, um, you know, maybe, like, a local food store. Like, for me, there's a place called Tacoma Park Co-op. Um, I think a lot of co-ops do a good job of sourcing their cacao as ethically as possible. Um, so, I would look for something that says direct trade or fair trade, single origin, uh, because that's when you know that the beans have been at least selected um, by region and they try to give as much money 
to the farm as possible um, directly without having going through a third party source. Um, so sometimes what these mean, like fair trade versus direct trade, is direct trade would mean, um, for example, a chocolatier would go to a farm and say, we're going to pay you premium for your crop this year. So they'll pay for like maybe a, a shipping container's worth of cacao and pay them in advance so that uh, the farmer feels reassured that you know, they have the money and the backing to produce these things and they'll, they'll actually do a good job. And, you know, it also kind of is a um, collaborative effort because the chocolatier can tell them what they're looking for, like what's the fermentation level, like what should these taste like, and teaching the farmers exactly what good cacao is. Um, and then fair trade is where it's more of like um, a group of farms so let's say not a one farm won't be able to produce that much. It can be several farms are within this um, co-op or fair trade network where they give one buyer a bunch of cacao for a pretty good price of money as well. Um, so those are kind of like what the vocabulary means. And so when you look at these things on the packaging, and um, sometimes fair trade could be a little bit sketchy where um, they're not really paying the farmers that much money. But I think overall the market is heading in the direction of like more transparency. Um, so that's kind of like the first step. Uh, the second step, the second tier, I guess, if you're if someone is looking for more like variety and region and taste, like kind of getting into that coffee realm of flavors and varieties, um, then you would start looking for single origin cacao or chocolate bars. Uh, that's when you start getting a sense of like, if you like Bolivia versus Peruvian beans versus Guatemala. And um, I would say definitely buy chocolate bars. And if you can buy cacao, try to like, you know, one or the other, like how I would do it is if I see like an awesome bar, like uh, I just saw this really cool bar yesterday from Bolivia that was um, paired with like Ayurvedic um, ingredients. So kind of pairing this holistic uh, approach to cacao and plants to heal, but also to make it taste good is a really interesting thing because that really requires like sugar or some kind of nectar component which gets a little bit tricky in the chocolate industry because when you're mass-producing chocolate, um, a lot of factors changes cacao that could change the taste and changes how it melts in your mouth. And so it's really a perfected science. So I have so much like regard for chocolatiers because it, it's like a lot of chemistry that goes into it. But if you're just looking for taste and healing properties, there are chocolates out there that... Might taste a little different, like raw. You can see raw chocolate bars versus raw cacao bars um, with honey versus um, agave versus coconut sugar. Um, so that's where you're going to get into like a whole nother element of like choosing. Um, you know, are you going in for taste? Or are you going to go in to support like the honey industry? Or are you going in to support the cacao industry? So it can get very like. <laughs> kind of overwhelming yeah <laughs> get a little too into it uh which I find my, I found myself getting like that I was just like okay like maybe it's just easy if I just start making my own 
And so that's how I kind of got into ordering cacao online. I, I kind of backtracked from the chocolates and I was like, okay, I like Ecuador. I like um, Peru. I see them a lot. I like Dominican Republic. So I went to a site called chocolatealchemy.com, which is, it teaches someone at home how to make a bean to bar chocolate. And he offers different countries to order from, and he'll give a background of like how he met the farmer, what kinds of, uh, what's the cacao flavor profile, and he'll go into like cool spider charts of like, um, based on your own flavor profile, like does this taste sour to you, bitter, um, acidic, chocolatey, nutty, and you start getting into this kind of like really fun element of being a connoisseur of cacao. So I learned my kind of like what that meant through Chocolate Alchemy. So I definitely recommend that site. And he has, I think, like 12 varieties of cacao on his site that he offers almost all the time. So you can go on there and order like a pound of uh, Bolivia and then they can be either roasted or raw versus you can also get a pound of like... uh, Actually, he also has South, I think he has some from the Ivory Coast. So he has a bunch of things on there. But I like his site a lot because he really does the research on the ethics behind the farmers and himself. Like every process that he takes is very ethical. Another company that's pretty good that I have I follow online and I've heard of uh, is Common Cacao. Is I'm looking them up right now. Yeah, they have, they do premium wholesale cacao, um, transparency, they offer beans from Guatemala, Belize, Haiti, Ghana, I mean, they have beautiful pictures on their site of like the farmers, uh, the farm itself, it's really beautiful, so I think, you know, for now, I think those are good places to start, I would actually, I'm going to try to start ordering from them too. They just have awesome, like awesome photos, and I've heard really good things about them. So yeah, I'm on I'm on both the sites right now, and I can already see my uh, my uh, um, well. It's just gonna be depleting. I'm like, I need to just get everything. <laughs> also, yeah. chocolate alchemy. Oh my god, this guy is insane. And he, he was going to be doing a podcast as well, it looks like, but they only got to episode one, I think. <laughs> You're so fast at looking at these things. Let's see. Um, he is, let's see, he has a lot of YouTubes um, talking about like how to do things and it's great so I I didn't even know he had a podcast well he's really great I mean I learned so much from him and I didn't even like his videos are short so it's like and he was a a chemist so it's a chemist who fell in love with the science of chocolate and just like now this is his career so he's been doing this for I think a decade or two and he's just like he is like the chocolate alchemist, for sure. <laughs> so many brilliant chocolatiers have come from him. Um, so it's really cool to kind of see this, a chain of like, yeah, just kind of, it's like a storyline of chocolatiers funneling through him. So, yeah. Yeah. 
Oh my gosh, his Instagram, the cut, the cocoa pods. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> this is gonna be a deep dive afterwards. Oh my gosh, yeah. It's like super rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> really fun. <laughs> and then so you're as an artisan who's single handedly sourcing and crafting your products, what understanding have you gained so far in the industry? in terms of pros and cons. Let's start off with the cons. Uh, the cons, okay, so the cons of the industry, I think right now are just, I mean, I think kind of picking through um, who's actually, I guess, authentic. Um, I think cacao is becoming very popular right now. And so some of the things can be misleading, I think, some of the labels. Um, so it does take a lot of research. And, like, I think as from my experience of teaching cacao to people and friends, I see a lot of people don't have the time. Like I do. I mean, I've dedicated my all my life and time to it. So it's like, okay, like, yes, I do spend a lot of time researching and playing with cacao that I know a lot of people don't. So I think the cons right now is kind of like, how cacao is marketed to like the wellness industry and like the wellness industry also being able to portray cacao in the right way um and it's starting to get in that area of where it's becoming more about the farm and agriculture and like this whole life being a holistic picture and i think for myself I think I tried to stay a lot away from retail because for me, it, I just started seeing money as like it was taking a lot of energy from me and I just wanted to create and help support the farmers. So what I found myself doing was like just giving cacao to my friends and a lot of them in DC are like wellness influencers or have shops or something where they have the ability to start sourcing from these farmers that I'm meeting and talking to and I think that I wish there were more people who did things that I did or like I'm am, am starting to do and I think for myself it's kind of like um, it's kind of an unexplored territory for me so like being the middleman is interesting like being a cacao supplier and dealer is kind of fun a fun thing to think about <laughs> Um, but I think right now it's kind of like approaching these wellness industries and shops and coffee shops and tea shops to be like, you know, why don't you get this cacao versus the bulk cacao on Amazon? You know, it's like you're going to be still probably spending the same money. Um, and so I think it's kind of like teaching people how to, to change their mindset about money and cacao and seeing cacao as a commodity now versus uh, just a wellness ingredient to put into like smoothies and stuff, which is still like great. It's just like now like digging a little bit deeper. So yeah, I guess <laughs> to sum it up, I guess the cons is just like the, the murkiness still of cacao in the wellness industry. Yeah. And that hopefully on, as the retail front is, as we're seeing this on a re on a retail front and like the demands from consumers are shifting, that that's going to trickle upstream to that level of there's a lack of government and company-wide enforced infrastructure with regards to 
you know, the farmers and their community and just the degradation of the environment. Yeah, well said. Um, yeah, I think it's just, as long as it's, there's a lot of transparency, I think it's a very simple formula. Yeah. And it, it's really about the consumer education and demand. And it's definitely coming, and I, I love that Instagram and social media has a huge role in that, of like teaching consumers to ask for these things. So, in deciding what regions you source from, what's your favorite bean right now? And, like, what what region does that come from? And how does this kind of influence, like, the aroma and the flavor? Right now, I have these Peruvian beans in front of me, which I'm so curious about. I'm going to actually open them right now. Yes. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> So far, I have been sticking to Ecuadorian beans for a year now. Um, so Cocoa Supply, I found online on Instagram. I just like instantly connected. There's some kind of energy there that I can't explain. I know I saw that they were from New York, and I was like, all right, I want to go. I want to order from New York. You know, I'm like supporting this small business. And um, I think I told you last time we talked that I just hit it off with Layla, the owner, and I just... Ever since, it's just been like magic creating with her beans. And, yeah. And I did, um, I did order from other countries. I, I really liked Honduras cacao, which I ordered from Chocolate Alchemy. But I think for me, that element of knowing Layla and knowing the story of the farms and like the people she was connecting with, it just really helped me see the whole picture. And like when I would eat the beans and consume them and make them for other people and like for events I just felt so like it was so meaningful and intentional and like I felt like this was like what life was about like every single step was so uh, I felt connected to everything and I think that really played a big part of how I was able to create for the for the last year as an artisan it allowed me to really like tap into that source of myself and of like nature and the universe and how like things just started like happening in alignment and yeah there's a lot to be said for that that's just not not written about I mean it's written about but like until you experience it you don't know you know like I if I read this anywhere I wouldn't be like you know I'd be like okay (laughs) you know whatever they say but just experiencing the beans like and seeing my friends being like, oh, I feel this energy from your chocolate. And some of them are not really as spiritual as me. They're just kind of like, but they feel it. You know, they're like, this feels amazing. I can attest to like that energy transfer. So now like I just haven't had this. I've had thoughts to order from other companies, but it just felt like I was forcing it. So I just I, I just kept ordering from Ecuador. Um, I, there's two different beans from there, Arriba Nacional, uh, which is the oldest variety. It's a, a strain that's native to Ecuador. It's amazing. It's some of the best beans in the world and chocolatiers, like some of the best chocolatiers in the world use it because of the fine that fine flavor. It's kind of like, I guess, I'm not very good with wine, but you know, it's kind of like up there in in the world of cacao of like, this is the best, like... I don't know. This is the good stuff. Chianti? Or, yeah, this is just like the, the creme de la creme of varieties. Um, 
so from there, I was just like, you know, I do want to try different other like other countries just because I think I'm, I'm at a stage where I've really connected to myself as an artist and cacao that I kind of want to see what other countries will um, inspire within me. And what happened was I actually got two people, uh, two people on Instagram told me that they had Peruvian beans that they wanted me to create with. And I was like, wow, that's so cool. I was like, I was just looking for like different countries. And here I have two separate offers from the same country. So now I'm like, all right, Peru is calling to me. <laughs> so I'm like, I'll happily accept that. So one is from Cacao Laboratory. Uh, let's see, I'm opening this bag now. And I have tried Peruvian beans before from Chocolate Alchemy. And a friend of mine also gave me Peruvian beans before, and they're a lot smaller than Ecuadorian beans and, like, definitely sour. I'm selling them right now. And they're kind of like a reddish tint. I'm going to see if I can send you this photo right now. Mm-hmm. They are, they feel very, like, I mean, this is coming from, let's see, the region is Chucho, Chucho beans. And let me look at my messages right now. So this was sent from Eric Friedman. He is the sister, he's the brother of the duo uh, Florencia and Eric Friedman from Cacao Laboratory. And he was saying that these are from, I think I want to say like a, a um, it's also probably from like a small tribe in Peru, in the jungles of Peru. Um, from the sacred Cusco Valley in Peru, Chucho. Oh, I love this. That's oh my beautiful. God, I'm going to see right now. <laughs> yeah, so these beans are uh, the rarest of the Chucho cacao. They're from the Andeans, Andean Mountains. Some of the Chucho trees are about 200 years old, and they're home to the endangered condor, the largest flying bird in the world. Wow. Yeah, such an honor. So these are found in Cusco, Junin, and Ayacucho. Very rare. And so a lot of the cacao in Peru are wrongly carrying the label of Chucho, which are foreign modern hybrids. So this is where we can get into kind of that agricultural language of cacao, of like um, farmers breeding different varieties and not really knowing the true source or like what where it comes from um so this one looks like it's from is an actual rare variety that's i mean rare to peru that's really cool and then so what a lot of the cacao industry does today is like they're trying to develop and um replant these trees in the most in the safest way possible which is like some people talk about harvesting them in the jungle which is actually not a really great way to grow cacao because it's you know it's chopping down trees in the jungle Um, whereas if you can have like a permaculture farm and develop and grow these cacao but in a more earth eco-friendly way, that's kind of the best way, which is what I've been hearing from farmers of to protect 
the plant itself, but also the land around it, pres- preserving the forest. Yeah, so it's so um, it's not so invasive to the ecosystem. Exactly. Yeah. So yes, yeah, so let's see. I'm gonna eat this one. This is a raw. Wow, it's so good. It's like very berry-like and fruity, and um, immediately my brain just like brightened. It's like whoa! <laughs> I just realized really cool. we completely we completely forgot to go over the pros of the industry, and I just think that this part right here just stands testament to the pros of the industry. Yeah, it's so gosh, I. I it's so pure. I feel like really my brain synapses. Like you know how it looks like a web and they're firing. Yes. It's just like pure connection to this cacao and the land. It's like sing, <laughs> amazing. So on a cognitive level, what influences have you found cacao to have? Because I want to approach this in say two parts, speaking to its potential as a psychological stimuli, but also in its capacity pertaining to mental health? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, it's interesting because I came from a background as a psychiatric nurse, and, like, I thought that was a really, really big part of um, just what the world needs right now, just, like, that um, connection to the mental health. And I think that what cacao does and chocolate does for a lot of people is this immediate feeling of, like, um, pleasure and, like, deserving that pleasure. You know, it's, like, not really guilty. People say guilty pleasure and they laugh because they know it's not. You know, it's, like, you eat it and you're just, like, oh, it's just so good. How can you, like, feel guilty about it? And there's, you know, within cacao, there is, um, it increases your serotonin, it, um, it just gives you this overall feeling of bliss, which comes with anandamide molecule. And I think that's such a good, like, you need it every day to feel that, like, um, happiness that comes from a plant source. And I don't think that it should be used as, like, um, a necessary, like, you need it to feel good, but more of kind of, like, adjunct kind of like they call adjunct therapy to your daily routine so it's like you know you can use it to enhance yourself or maybe you can be like oh I want to drink some cacao because it helps me to tap into this place um, of of connectedness and happiness that I know is there and it just kind of brings me back into it but I think also when the cacao is not there since you already have that experience in your mind and your brain knows it you can actually relive that um, feeling by just kind of like meditating on it and I actually met a shaman a month ago he came to uh, this hotel eat and well eat and workshop in DC uh, where they do invite like amazing healers and um, just such a diverse group of like wellness healers and speakers and he is from the I have to look up I'll send you the information on him but he was talking about that connectedness of using plant medicine and not always having to need it because you can tap into it yourself like you are an energetic being and you have all this ability too so I think that's like a I mean cacao is just such a magical 
a healing plant, I think, for that, for that self-healing of forgiveness, feeling forgiveness, but also feeling joy and allowing yourself to know that this is a real feeling that you're allowed to have. And it's not, not like a... I don't know. It's it's kind of it's hard to explain. Like a lot of people actually tell me like, "Oh, so you're addicted to cacao?" And I'm like, "Well, I think that's kind of like a, a harsh word. You know, it's like a word that kind of puts you into a box that comes from the language of like mental illness, right?" Yeah. And I think like getting away from it is more like um, it's just more that it's an enhancer of. Uh, good mood. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're you're not turning to cacao from a place of negativity or to cover something up or to oppress something. It's just, as you said, an enhancer. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah. You're right. It's not coming from a place of negativity, but. I do. There are moments where I feel very down or like I'll feel kind of lost, um, especially in this like, you know, daily stresses or especially like for me, someone who doesn't have much stability in the sense of like, mm, what am I going to do every day? You know, it's not like the same schedule or ritual that I'm used to having. So when I do drink cacao, it kind of grounds me to a place of like, okay, like, okay, just like breathe you know, kind of that whole ritual of drinking the cacao is kind of um, an act in itself of being able to pull myself out, like having these tools to be like, um, I know some things I can do and cacao is one of the things that is a tool for me, just like um, lavender can be for like aromatherapy and stuff like that. I've heard people kind of jump in between the term cacao or cacao and the process of low temperature and high temperature production. Um, and if you could maybe explain that a little bit because there's also that aspect of preserving the constituents of the cacao and that comes into like the flavonoids and kind of... Yeah, just preserving the constituents. Like, what? What's the? Well, what should people look out for between cacao and cocoa? Okay. Um, yes, excellent question. Um, it is really confusing in the marketplace because a lot of people. I mean, a lot of the language of the food industry comes from exactly that. Like, it has to be marketed in a certain way, based on I think what the food regulations are, but also what. Um, I guess how consumers understand the product. So right now, cacao in the U.S. is considered a raw cacao. Well, I mean, all cacao beans have to be fermented in order to be um, in the way it's used today. Um, if you go to like a jungle or like a, a cacao retreat and you get to see fresh cacao open from the fruit, so that's still considered cacao. It's like right before it is heated to a temperature, turning it into cocoa. And I think that temperature is something like 100... Um, I have to look that up. I forget this. I think, okay, 95 degrees. <laughs> I 
So this stuff, it's like I look these up all the time and then I forget it. Oh my, my God, mind, yeah. <laughs> like in my mind, I'm like, it's really not that important anymore for me because it's like, um, I mean, I think that like the flavonoids and like, you know, conserving the benefits, uh, it's just kind of, I think, just common sense, you know? It's like, if you're going to go get a fresh cacao fruit, like, that's going to have, like, some of the most benefits in one way. But then when you're having the seeds after fermentation, it's just like a fermented um, fermented anything, right? There's, like, a lot of benefits that come from the fermentation itself because of the healthy bacteria. And also, I think there is... There's just a, a lot of factors that go into it that people don't even know about. So, like, the acidity that goes through, um, you know, the chemical changes, like, what comes out of it is also something that, like, I don't even know that much. But just by, like, eating it and knowing how my body feels afterwards yeah. is kind of my only test. So, I would say, like, to go to the marketplace um, and finding cacao that's from direct trade um, if it's raw, I would, um, lightly roast them because raw cacao is something that could affect someone with a, a GI intolerance of certain bacteria. So like sometimes I'll have a reaction if I eat too much raw cacao, like I'll get stomach cramps or like sharp pains. And it could be because the bacteria on the raw cacao, um, is interfering with the bacteria in my gut lining. So that's why it's always advisable to roast, lightly roast the cacao, and then that would turn it into cocoa <laughs> at that point. But I think, like, the jargon is just kind of, it gets confusing, and it's just, like, when you want to buy it, it's best to just buy raw cacao. But raw chocolate bars, I think, is an interesting concept, too, because that just means, basically, the taste is going to be different. Like, you're going to taste, like, acidity and fermentation versus cocoa like cooked like roasted cacao which gives off a more chocolatey flavor and not as many benefits but uh, talking to a lot of chocolatier friends and uh, my friend Layla who is who was a chemical engineer she does a lot of research on this and she said that it's really not much of a huge difference um, between the benefits so it's really just safer to actually roast the cacao um, but to eat that as a raw bean is much more powerful than eating it as a chocolate bar because you're cutting down the plant from what was a seed into now roasting it, and then you're going to have to go through the steps of, um, you know, making it go in the grinder for a long time. So that's changing its um, structure as well. So by the time you consume it, you're not getting the entire plant as it was a whole plant. But again, that's also up to whoever's eating it like for me when I get like ceremonial cacao bricks from other people or other companies I feel really like hyper <laughs> and I, it's also the caffeine content is different for every cacao bean too because of the trees that it grows next to so it's like so many different factors <laughs> but basically I think the good place to start is getting raw cacao from different countries, seeing how your body reacts to it, and then roasting it just to see if your body reacts to that a little better. And then also if in the morning or at night it feels better for you. Um, and then in general, if any product says cocoa right now, I think it's best to stay away from it. 
just because cocoa powder means that it was turned into cocoa within like a big factory. So if you want to make roasted cacao, you should just buy the beans yourself and roast it at home, just as you would a coffee bean. And going back to the sweeteners, where do you get your sweeteners from? And is it, is it honey? Is it agave? What do you use? So I currently just use local honey just because I have started to explore the honey industry a little bit. I don't know too much, but I do know it's also very, um, you know, it's really corrupt also. And, what you know, because of the bees and, you know, they're disappearing due to a lot of our own work of, like, over-contamination of plants and the environment. I try to stick with the local apiaries and support the beekeepers and uh, um, try to do my part of consuming what's available, but also, like, not over-consuming. So if I don't have honey available, I've actually taught myself to use less honey now in the in the cacao I drink or even no honey at all. Um, every once in a while, like, if my friend has agave or, like, I, I see an interesting, like, coconut sugar, I'll just try it just to see, like, oh, what is this taste? Uh, but in general, I try not to buy it because I don't really know where it comes from. And I think that disconnect from me and the product now is just so important to me that I can't enjoy my food as much if I don't know where the food is coming from. Yeah. But so, yeah, but I do see a lot of people getting into the sugar industry, just like cacao, where they're starting to make like palm sugar or like panela and getting real sugar cane and like extracting juice from it. And I think that's really beautiful. So if, if you can never, if you get a chance to go to a country that has um, fresh sugar cane juice on the property or like dehydrated cane sugar, or if you can support, um, you know, places like, um, I think Ghana and I think Panama, they have like, yeah, locally made direct trade panela and cane sugar that you can order from online as well. So that's also something that people can do online, but also maybe request from their local wellness store to supply with those things. Yeah, and I recently tried like forgoing the sweetener and just putting in, this is just like a simple hot chocolate, but just putting in, say, lacuma or maca or um, what's the other one? Yakon root. And it's mm. so good. Mm. Like, it's just a natural root sweetener, and it's it's so, so good. It's just earthy, but it has, like, the right amount. I saw that you were using the cacao as well on um on your face. Mm-hmm. Have you seen oh. that like affect the skin? Oh my god, yeah. My skin is like the softest it's ever been because it has antioxidants in it and it also has like vitamin D and it protects your skin from well because of the antioxidants, it protects your skin from the sun a little bit. And I just have like really soft skin. I feel like I don't have to really put on as much I mean, I'm I've been bad. I haven't put on sun sunblock um, in a long time because I just feel like um, I've been getting some protection from the cacao. I mean, I definitely need to look more into that, so definitely don't like quote me or like follow my lead on that. But I have um, I haven't broken out or anything. Like I'll use a warm washcloth and like remove the excess like layer of oil, but. 
it's any, you know, like any beauty treatment today uses some type of oil base and cacao butter is like one of the most pure and like, it's amazing. And you, you smell like chocolate, like, uh, uh, you have to try it. Oh my God. That, like the next time you have like leftover, like cacao in your cup, you just like, yeah, just like scrape, like use your finger, index finger, like scrape around the cup, like I'm doing it right now. You just put it on your face and you just like rub it in. You feel the exfoliation of the like the little grittiness of the cacao. Or even if it's smooth, you just feel that paste and you can leave it on for between like five minutes. And sometimes I've left it on for like 40 minutes because I've just been lazy and doing other things. <laughs> but then <laughs> but then you just remove it with a wash, a warm wash, warm cloth and like you feel like literally like you just had the most expensive beautiful <laughs> facial treatment like you feel like a goddess <laughs> it's amazing i can't wait for you to try that <laughs> well i know i'm gonna be doing that tonight because cacao is a part of the evening ritual yes oh i love it so you have one do you have cacao every evening yeah i try and hit i'm trying to kind of support circadian rhythm by Having my elixir and then zonking out. And so it's usually, like, after I drink. Like, the cacao is always a part of, like, whatever potion-y thing I come up with. And then after that, it's just, I am done for the day. Like, I'm so tired. And it's just it's just that last little bit to get you over the edge of, okay, my adrenals. Like, it's time to slow it down. No more electronics. Plugging everything out. EMF waves like go away it's it's time to sleep yeah i love that i love your evening ritual okay wait tell me more so like what this is christina and with guts and glory guts and glory <laughs> this was christina and cacao with christina kim refer to the show notes to further get to know our guest share your thoughts and show us some love by subscribing or again touch to be featured on the podcast Released every other Monday. Thanks for lending us near. Passing on the mic.